0: we love you lord we love you jesus father we pray that in this atmosphere and in your presence god would you break chains today with those that have not seen you for who you really are god would you open their eyes today god would you uncircumcise ears today god that they would be open we could hear your voice for the first time for some of us would you speak your word god we we come into your presence not from a place of fear or worry or that we need to beg for your forgiveness but we come into your presence with thanksgiving and praise and we thank you Jesus that at your name demons and sickness must bow at your name chains begin to break at your name your power and your presence is made full in this house In Jesus' name, we all pray and said, amen, amen. Before you take a seat, high five three people, tell them the title of my message, The Journey to Healing. Three people, high five them. The Journey to Healing. something special about this service this morning. hmm you know I, I get so excited um, <clears throat> when God does this to me. I had a message that I had completely prepared and was ready to to give um, and then by Wednesday or Thursday, God was like skirt you're going this direction and and I was like, okay and and, and it, it makes it so much um, more fun. It makes it more fun. There we go. It's a lot more fun. Here we go. You're like, don't you get paid to like be a communicator or something? It's so funny. Um, that when God just hijacks the plan and he has his own plan and I've been trying to teach myself to be willing to just not lead from a place of performance, but from a place of faith and trust in him, that when he speaks, it's better than when I speak and what he wants to do is better than what I could ever come up with, and so today I'm gonna gonna preach a word to you this morning um, that comes from 27 years in the making in my life that I've seen um, a revelation. It's not a revelation that I learned from somebody else. It's a revelation that I learned through walking through a journey Um, So recently, uh, Brooke and I, it was actually a couple days ago, we decided to go on a hike with our two dogs. We have two labs. Um, One of them, her name is Ellie. The other one is Boomba. Everybody say Boomba. (laughs) Boomba. Pray for her. She's not saved yet. Um, But um, we took them on a a hike with us to the Santa Rosa Plateau. And uh, it was just after the rain, and how many of you guys know that after it rains, there's this place called The Pools, and you can go there, and, and it's full of water. Um, and we took pictures and selfies, and, um, and people commented on them, and they're like, it looked amazing, it looked so perfect. And, um, but th- what they don't know is what happened before the pictures were taken. Um, did I send you that picture? That's scary when you don't know what picture you send, and you just <laughs> send a picture. Okay. Okay. Um, Oh, you got that off of Instagram. That's great. Okay, cool. So do you see all the water there, and, and it looks like it was just a perfect day, um, and it was, although the moments before the image was taken was a disaster, okay? Um, it was so muddy uh, that Brooke and I were jumping across ponds, little ponds in the road, you know? I'm exaggerating a little bit, but we were, we were on a journey, and it was muddy, and our dogs, my dog, Boomba, who's not safe, she's just like in the puddles like blonde dog you know and it's just mud all over her and and um but you know we we got them to the lake but we almost didn't make it because my wife kept saying she's like how much farther is it and you know men what we do we go it's just a little bit further just a little bit come on it's right around the corner she's like what corner and i'm like the one right up we get around the churn she goes how much farther it's just right you know, and and we finally got to uh, the lake where this this picture was was taken, the pools. And um, but the amazing thing is that we almost didn't make it. But because I'd been there before, um, I, I I told her just go a little bit farther. We're almost there, and we finally made it. And that's what made the day, right? We almost ruined our whole day because my dog was like getting out of the leash, and it was just scary. And if you're in the service, and my dog almost attacked you, I'm sorry. Um, but we finally made it to the lake. And so I wanted to use this story, and you can remove that, but as an illustration to talk about the journey um, that some of us have arrived at a destination to where we know what it looks like, but there are some of us who haven't been there yet that need to go with us on the road. And so if you brought a Bible, if you have a phone, anybody bring a, a, a paper Bible? Anybody got a, an OG, original, vintage paperback, throw it back Bible? We're going to uh, Luke 24. Uh, don't fake it, teammate. It's in the New Testament. And uh, it's after Mark. You'll find it. I used to do that, you know, where like you, you're like, I'm just not even going to bring my Bible out of my backpack because I have no idea where Micah is. Like, where, where the heck is that book, you know? like. Um, anyway, okay, so Luke 24, starting in verse 13. I'm going to read this story to you um, and I'm going to show you a few things about it. Um, and so we're going to start in verse 13. Okay, let's start reading. Here we go. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, we'll call him Cleo today, Cleo replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here the last few days. Hashtag, where were you, Jesus? What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from the group of his followers were at his tomb earlier this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and that they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. This is when you get excited, right? Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone just as the woman had said. Then Jesus gets savage. He says this, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all of the prophets and what they wrote about in the scriptures. Don't you love Jesus? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all of these things before entering into his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writing of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wouldn't that be amazing to hear the word preach the word for seven miles? By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him to stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within an hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. So I want to preach a message to you today from the subject of the journey to healing. And what is important about this is as we're in a series about encounters, right, and this has been a phenomenal series, um, I was challenged because in this story, it's not a direct um, moment of healing, I know sometimes when God heals people and he touches them and they haven't encountered, there's instant healing, but there are some times where God uh, takes you through a process to healing. It's a journey, right? It it comes through daily decisions. It's it's leaving a certain place and going to the next. Now, you're probably wondering, you're a far way off from what this passage was saying, Pastor James, now let me help you with this, okay? If we go back to verse 13, we see in verse 13 that there is two people gathered together, following Jesus. It says near Emmaus, everybody say Emmaus, Emmaus. Try that on one more time, Emmaus. Emmaus means if you study the word two things. Now the first one is a confirmation for somebody, it means hot bath. Now somebody needs a hot bath today, okay? That's that's your word, you can leave this place knowing there's a hot bath in your future. The second though is just as great um, and it means the place of healing. Now, as you read this with this um, revelation, you start seeing what is really happening. Now, at this time, this is Sunday. This is the day of the resurrection. This is the day that people said they went to a tomb and his body was missing and it looked one way, but something else had taken place. He walked out of that tomb. He wasn't buried there. He left there. But we know that this place, Jerusalem at the time, is a place where, think about it, their best friend they've been following for three years was brutally murdered and died a criminal's death on a cross that they knew deep down he had nothing to do with the charges that were set against him. He was innocent, but he died a criminal's death on that cross. And so this is the place of, of fear now. There, you know the story as you read through the gospels. You read they hide themselves behind closed doors, locked. They don't want what happened to their friend to happen to them. And, and now this is the place of pain have you ever found a place in your life where you go back and you visit and it just brings back old memories? Any travelers in the room today? Anybody that's just gone back to an old house, old school, old church, um, you know, old place where maybe you proposed to your, your wife and um, it's just a, a place that has significant meaning. Well, this place, Jerusalem at the time, is not the best place to be in at this moment. And so they are leaving, two of them are leaving the place of pain The place of disappointment, that what they thought was going to happen didn't happen the way it did. Disillusion, the ending of something. Shortage, that they thought there was going to be more Jesus tours. And they ended, and they're leaving this place, and they're walking on a road, two people together. This is a beautiful story. And they're walking from the place of pain and disappointment to the place of healing. And as they are walking along, it says two, everybody say two, two of them are walking together. Now how many of you know it is so much better when you go through the journey with somebody with you? This is why we have family, this is why we have church, this is why we have community, that we're better off together. None of us were meant to ever be Lone Rangers. And we see in this story that there is not only two people, but two followers of Jesus. There's a difference between people and followers of Jesus when it comes to your healing. And the people that you surround yourself with on the journey matters because you will end up putting yourself in a situation where you start asking people what you wanna hear, and when someone finally tells you what you wanna hear, you settle for that instead of going to the right voice, the right ears, the right counsel, the right wisdom, the right church, the right pastor, the right leader, the right mentor, and what ends up happening is if you don't get in agreement with someone who has wisdom and counsel, people fall. The scripture says there is safety in the number of wise counsel not the number of opinions. And so we see as two believers are walking and leaving the place of pain together, they're walking, and as they are walking forward, the next verse says in verse 14, it says, as they walked along, they were talking about some things. Everything, everything. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, sorry, I got my leopard shirt on today. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Stuart said to me, He said, The leopard came out to play today. I'm, stop it, Stuart. (laughs) As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. The first point I want to give you tonight, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do this, is healing comes through a process through a process. Yes, there are moments of encounter where we experience immediate healing, but I've found in my personal life that God likes to take us through a process because what we tried to fight and avoid and leave that was hurtful, God said, I don't want you to go around it. I wanna walk with you through it because there's something I'm trying to develop in you that is greater than what has been attacking you, and the assignment is always greater than the attack. What God has placed inside of you, he wants to develop, and so we need people that will walk with us through it. But oftentimes as, as, as people, we like to do things our way and alone and on our own. But there's something beautiful about this that we see two believers walking together, choosing to leave the place of hurt and pain. That's a word for somebody. It's time for you to move on. And it's time for you to move on with people who's got your back. Everybody say, try that on, say, touch your neighbor and say, I got your back. I got your back. Touch your other neighbor that you just avoided, the one that you ignored, your second option that you might not know, tell them, I got your back. And um, it's so funny, I'm gonna come down here for just a second, and um, you have no idea that I'm doing this, but I'm pulling you up on the platform with me, Matt. So, and uh, Will, you would have got your chance, but you left, so. (laughs) Um, Okay, so everybody, this is Matthew. Matthew serves in youth. He's a 10th grade small group leader, phenomenal leader, one of my best, been here for so many years. Public affirmation goes a long way. Okay, so if we go back to this verse, when you go back to verse 14, and uh, Matt, I'm gonna have you turn this way and look at the the screen. Um, As they walked along, they talked about everything that had happened. The next verse says this. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. The next verse says, but God kept them from recognizing him. Have you ever gone through the journey from pain to healing and didn't recognize that Jesus was with you all along? Have you ever felt like you you were talking about it with someone else and and they started sharing wisdom with you and you thought they were just smart but it was actually God speaking through them? They started reading your mail, started telling you about everything that happened and how you can make it better. And you're like, this is really good. I'm going to take notes right now. And you start taking notes on your phone. And, but I bring this up and I bring Matt on the stage because it's so important that we don't do it alone because Ecclesiastes chapter four, you, you changed your position. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine, I'm having fun up here. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. The next verse says this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And the verse says three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You need somebody in your life that's got your back. Somebody that says, I know your past hurt, but I'm gonna pray this thing off of you, that your past doesn't step into your future, that we're gonna walk this thing out together because the last time I read my Bible, Matthew 18, verse 20 says, that we're two or three followers gather in my name, there I am among you. So if you can just get with one other believer, somebody, someone that will agree with your spirit of what you're meant to do, Jesus shows up, and when he shows up, Christ goes before you, community stands behind you, and the church begins to pray for you. and God begins to move and we start walking this thing out together and I'm praying this thing off of you that this pain will not progress into your future that your mistakes will not harm you and not go before you and you got a braiding on the side on your backside and on your front side because God goes before you community stands behind you but the church stands with you can I get an amen for that from somebody that agrees with me Church, we have to do better at bringing people with us on the journey because what ends up happening is we show our highlights. We only show our best moments because it's church. Why don't we just take off the hat, come in as we are. If we wanna see God move in power, God wants to bless who you really are, not who you pretend to be. And we need people that can say, I'm still broken. I'm still wounded. That last marriage, it really affected me. I need help. I need somebody that will walk with me through this. Will you walk with me through this from the place of pain to the place of healing? Will you take me on a journey? You you said that your last marriage failed you, but you're in a a marriage now where where God has blessed it and he's working through it and there's been healing. How did you get there? Take me on the journey from the place of pain to the place of purpose, from the place of burden to the place of blessing, from the place of pain to the place where God wants to move in your life. We need people that will lock arms with us and say, you may not always see that I'm there with you, but I got your back. And when I got your back, I'm gonna pray every devil off of you in Jesus' name. I'm gonna pray every lie, every fear, every attack. I got your back. Let's keep moving forward. And we don't always recognize that Jesus is with us. But this is why this story is so beautiful. Because he caught them before they left, but he walks with them until they arrive. And as they're talking Jesus, in verse 17, he asks them a question. He says, what is it that you're so intently discussing? And they begin to share with him, you must not know what really happened. Like, where were you? Like, did you like leave town or something? And sometimes we treat our prayer life with God like this. Where were you when that went down? Where were you when I needed you most? And he doesn't always respond, does he, the way that we wanted him to. Instead, he provokes another question. What exactly do you mean by that? What is beneath the root of what you're asking right now? And they begin to go deeper, and Cleo, who's not even one of the 12 disciples, like it wasn't like Judas and then Cleopas, you know, it was like, Cleo is just a follower, he's an outsider, a lot like some of us who feel like we're an outsider sometimes, not a part of the 12 or the team. But he says, you must not know what really happened, and Cleo begins to describe who Jesus is to him. And he says, and as we read in verse 19, He says, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He gives them four identities, four perspectives of the way he sees Jesus. He says, he was a man from Nazareth. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. Notice in the language of past tense, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. The next verse is this, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped. Everybody say hoped. Hope that has a D on it is not real hope. It's regret. Hope can only exist in your future. There are some of us who live in the past of hoped, and there are some of us who live in the present, but I want to be a Christian who lives for the future, for where God is bringing me forward out of, what he has best for me ahead and it says that he was the Messiah who had rescued Israel. This all happened three days ago, and this is when Jesus gets savage. This is when Jesus has had enough. He says, I've searched your heart, I know it exactly what it is you're wrestling with, and now he begins to rebuke him in verse 25. In 25, Jesus said to them, you foolish people, I love Jesus. This will wreck your theology when you think Jesus is just always nice. You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe that all the prophets wrote in the scriptures, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. When people say, Oh, you know, I'm a New Testament believer. Why don't we show them this verse where it says everything points back to Jesus. All the prophecies, everything in Moses' day, all of the scriptures point back to him. You can find Jesus in any book of the Bible. And so he begins to show them. And can you imagine, though, going on a journey with someone that you didn't know was the word, but the word preaches to you for seven miles. You got a private sermon, the best message that was ever preached on a hike. And if I went on a seven mile hike, I'd be like, Jesus, you gotta carry me because I can't even, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna need to loosen this belt because my gut is coming out. No, I'm just kidding. And, and, but I need you to you know, walk with me through this. And Jesus just takes his time. He's not in a rush. It's his first day back from the resurrection. He got a whole second life to live right now. And he spends seven miles explaining to them everything. And that's something that you need to know. When you're a friend of Jesus, he tells you everything. He tells you every secret. There's nothing he is withholding from you that you can't have. And when you need him and you question him and your theology is a little skirt, he corrects you. He teaches you and he builds confidence in you so that you know the real thing. Jesus begins to explain to them everything that points back to him. Verse 28 By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, the end of their journey. They were arriving at the place of healing, the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went with them, so he went with them. This part wrecks me every time I read it um, because I, I didn't understand for the longest time when I read this story, why, why is that little detail in there that it's like Jesus is with them, he's preaching the best sermon because he is the best sermon, and, and as you know, they arrive, he's like, all right, guys, see you later, and they're like, where are you going? And he's walking on as if he were leaving them. As if, those two words messed me up this week as I was reading this. Because I circled them and I put a question mark and I, and I, and I began to ask God, why? Why is that in there? What, what were you trying to prove? What were you trying to do? You know?" And, and he began to show me. And he, he took me through oh, a change in my mindset. I used to think, that when God was distant from me, it was because of my sin. It was because of my behavior. It was because of something that I did. But in this scripture, we see Jesus was with them and he walks on as if he were leaving. And sometimes we are in an as if season Where you feel the distance between you and God, and you compare your last season with this season, and you say, I used to pray more. I used to read more. I used to worship more. I must not be as close to you because I don't feel you the way that I felt you before. I don't hear you the way that I thought I did like I used to. And he's saying, no, 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 this is actually not a bad thing. This is a good thing because what I'm doing in you is I'm creating distance between you and I so that you will follow me, so that you will invite me in, so that you will stay with me, because God never wants your faith to stay in the boat. Jesus walked on the water as if he were passing them by until someone said it was a ghost, but John said, I think it's Jesus. And Peter stood up and he said, if it's you, invite me out of the boat right now. I'm coming to you. And he said, come. And we see Peter, hold on to me, John, you're too small, come here, step out of the boat, takes a step, now if this was me, I'd be like, all right, I'm good, I'm getting back in the boat, But, but Peter takes a step out, and there's a distance between him and Jesus, because Jesus was moving forward as if he were leaving them, but something beckoned Peter that he had to leave the place where he was and he had to move forward because when God steps forward as if he were leaving you, it's not that he's creating distance and punishing you, it's that he's increasing faith capacity in you, that you would step out of the boat above the thing that was meant to take you out and kill you. And God said, no longer should you be a prisoner and a slave to this. I want you to walk with me through this. I'm gonna move forward as if I were leaving you because I want you to be content and dependent on me, dependent, 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 that you would trust me, that you would step out on the boat and walk on the water. That's what faith is. Sometimes we can't compare where we were in a different season than where we are now. And the distance is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. It's a setup because he wants you to move with him forward. So in this scripture, In the context of this and the application, what's the application, Pastor? This is the application. That's my annoyed with you voice. Okay. (laughs) It happens sometimes. I get emails. Why does it say that? Um, (laughs) He was moving on as if he were leaving them, but when they saw the distance, they invited him in. And when you invite Jesus in, something happens. For those of you who have invited Jesus in and you've done history with him, you know that when he comes in, he changes things. Because the Bible says, as we continue reading, in verse 32, oh wait, no, not 32, 29. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, He took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open. Everybody say, suddenly, Suddenly. their eyes were open. And they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Now, I go back to this moment to say, when you invite Jesus in, things begin to change. Because when I invited Jesus in, I thought it was just a moment of a decision that would change my life forever. But what I didn't realize was that when God came into my life and into my heart and I invited him in, he didn't just sit on the couch in the front room of my house, he came in and he changed everything. When he came in, he sat down at the table with Cleopas and he took Cleo's bread and he broke it, he took over. He broke the bread and he blessed it and suddenly their eyes were open and they realized it was him. Now, let me help you with this. When Jesus comes into your life, he doesn't let you serve what you want blessed. He takes what he wants and he breaks things and he blesses things so that your eyes will be open to who he really is the same hands that broke the bread is the same hands that blessed the bread he's both the breaker and the blessing And some of you are in a season where he's breaking things. He's breaking up relationships. He's breaking up friendships. He's breaking up opportunities and shutting doors. And you feel like this is punishment. You feel like God is against you. But God is so for you that the blessing comes after the breaking. And it's so easy for some of us that when we invite Jesus in, we have a scheduled expectation of what we want him to do, don't we? We invite him in and we say, okay, you're in? Yeah, I invited you in. And we think that he's doing us a favor. And that we want him to bless this and increase our finances and restore this friendship and open this door of opportunity for me and do this for me. And our prayers turn into, God, do this for me. And God sometimes when he comes in He just takes a seat, but he takes over. And when he takes over, he takes over in ways that he will dictate who you actually want to approve on Facebook to be your friend. He will dictate the people that you follow back on Instagram, the things that you do on Friday night, the the friends and the conversations that you will entertain. And when you wanted to drag somebody into the next season of your life and they didn't want to come with you, God will begin to break them off of you. Because if they won't go with you into your next, you say later because I'm getting an upgrade and God is actually moving me forward. I'm changing highways and going in a different direction. And if you don't want to go with me, that means you were never meant to be in my next season. So I will see you later. God bless you, shalom, have a good life. But we fight the breaking, don't we? We hate it. Like last week when Pastor John preached about, you know, Jacob and and the wrestling match and, and the breaking in the hip. There is blessing though in the breaking. And we fight and we wrestle through with God. And we say, God, when I invited you in, I thought it was gonna be easier because now I'm a child of God. And he says, but what I want to develop in you is so important that we live in a culture today that avoids pain, but we serve a God who says, I move through the pain. (laughs) What you thought was no way out, I can part that sea. I'm the way maker. And so the second point is not just the place of healing, but healing comes when you invite Jesus in. Real healing comes when Jesus is invited in to your heart. That's where the real healing takes place. Because Jesus, when, when he touched people's lives, uh, any encounter that you read, and he prayed for them and he healed them, he did not just heal them of the problem. He healed the person. He heals on different levels, body, mind, and soul. He heals Every part of you changes even the narrative of your life, the trajectory of your life. When you invite Jesus in, you are setting yourself up, and you better be ready because it is going to be an adventure. That he is both the breaker and the blessing. But when he began to bless the bread, it says their eyes were open, and they recognized him. They realized it was Jesus. And and I began to just sit in that and stare at that for a minute, a couple of minutes, and I was looking at this and I was asking God, I was, God, why, why is it that when they didn't recognize you until that moment? And, and I realized that God began to just share with me, James, you know, the importance of this is that, that sometimes you don't actually see God because you just focus on the pain and the problem, but once I break it and it no longer has a stronghold on you, Your eyes are open and you see it was me all along. And God sometimes allows us to go through the process because if you could get there on your own without anyone and without him, you would get all the credit. But Jesus says, come on, we're gonna go on a journey. I'm gonna walk you through this so that when I break this thing in your life, your eyes will be open and I will get the glory for it. I will get the honor for it that you couldn't do this on your own. I took what I saw was dysfunctional and I broke it. I took what I saw that needed my blessing and I blessed it. And now your eyes are open. I think we need to be a generation today that trusts and leans more in him. I know we serve, we live in a generation of talented people, but what about anointed people? What about people that lean into his presence? People that trust him in both the breaking and the blessing and their eyes were open and they realized it was him. And my third point for you is this. Healing comes when you're willing to revisit the place of pain. Because it says within an hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. After they saw that it was Jesus, they were on their way back within an hour. And, and I bring this up and the band can come out because... Sometimes in youth ministry, I get the opportunity to sit down and interview future potential leaders, which that's a hint right there. You should join my team. Okay. Um, and I ask them the question, why youth ministry? And sometimes I get the amazing response that people tell me, well, it's because when I was a teenager, my parents weren't there for me. Or when I was a teenager, my family didn't have enough, or when I was a teenager, I was bullied, or I, 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 was, I was picked on, or I was sexually abused, you know, or I got into drugs and got into the party scene, and, and what I end up realizing as I'm interviewing and I dig deeper into it, I realize the reason they want to go back to working with teenagers is because they've already gone through the process of healing. And you know that you've encountered God and that healing has taken place when you no longer want to fight to leave the place, but you want to fight to get back in the place to help somebody else who's still bound and still suck. And that's exactly what we need. That's mature Christianity, guys, is that when it's no longer about us, but it's about everybody else. It's about going back for those who are still bound, those who are still suck. And and in my life, I, I found that when I was in middle school, it was the toughest season of my life because i was i was little james i was like like somewhere around here i had big eyes still have big eyes um, i had buck teeth four rows of teeth it was like god should have given me braces for 10 years but he delivered me to four and i and i forgot to wear deodorant on most days and i wore c28 t-shirts instead of active that said jesus freak on the front of them and and i was the target of every bully at school, And there were times where I would question God and would say, God, I, I don't even want to be great. I just want to be average. Can you just fit me in the room to where I'm not the target? I, I, I'm okay with being in the back of the room. I, I'm okay with being silent. But I don't want to go to school every day looking over my shoulder expecting somebody to hit me. Expecting somebody to take... Um, Something that I did and, and twist it and lie and make rumors and, 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 and tear me down. And, and, and I used to question, God, God, why would you allow this to happen to me? And I didn't realize that the season and the place that I wanted so badly to leave God developed a voice in me because I felt like I had no voice. God gave me a voice, and now I stand on the backside of this mountain, free from this, and now I'm in a season where I get to look 12-year-olds in the eye, and I tell them, you're more than enough. You're going to get through this. One can stand alone and be conquered and defeated, but two can stand back to back, and we can defeat this thing. You're more than enough. You're a conqueror through Christ who gives you strength. You were born from freedom, and so you can break out of this thing. I trust you. I believe in you. I'm praying for you. You're gonna get through this. I promise you, because I've gotten out of this place, and I know that you may not feel like you have a voice, but you are famous in heaven. God knows you. Heaven knows you. The angels know you, and there's a destiny on your life. Don't you dare give up. You're going to push through this thing, and I get to stand on the other side of this mountain now, that once I fought so badly to leave, God has sent me back to, to be an advocate and a voice for a younger generation that is rising up, that is gonna be greater than the former, that the best days are ahead for our nation and for our world. We got some kingdom workers, some giant killers, so are rising up, some Caleb's and Jacob's that are rising up in this generation. And I say that to you because it's so important that you may think, why would God do something like this if he loves me so much? And what you need to understand is God wants to develop something great in you. And it comes through a process. And it comes through a decision of inviting him into that place. And there are going to be some things in life that are going to break down. And some things in life that God is going to bring increase and bless. But we have to trust him. And you have to be willing. This is when you know you've encountered healing, when you're willing to go back. To the place To the memory To the person And say You no longer have a hold on my life I forgive you I cannot hold on to this any longer Because it is holding me From stepping into the next season of my life And that's exactly what some of us need to do today We need to let go We need to not fight to avoid and act like it never happened. But there is power in your testimony that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. Your testimony is like an experience that happened to you. And let me tell you something. You can write this down. Your experience is a passport into somebody else's pain that only you can step into. It is unknown territory for me, but what you have gone through is significant and tailored. There are other people that need you, that need to hear what you've gone through and see how you made it out of them. You standing before them and sharing with them is a testimony that if God did it for you, he can do it for them. Can I get someone to agree with me on that? We got to be willing to go on the journey with people. We got to be willing to invite Jesus in, and we got to be willing to revisit other people who are still bound. And tell them, there's freedom on the other side of this. Let's walk this thing out together. I got your back. We're going to walk it out. I'm going to pray this thing off of you. I'm going to encourage you. Sometimes I'm going to push you forward. And you may feel like there's a gap between you and God and a distance that feels like it's too great for you to accomplish. But every step that you take forward, God takes a step back and he says, come on, we're going to move this thing forward. And all of us can partner together to help somebody overcome the pain and the problem and step into their progress. Can I get an amen on that? Let's close our eyes and let's pray in this moment. I really feel something on this word for this service, specifically for the 1030. I feel like there are people in this service tonight today that you thought that there was a place that you had to arrive at for your healing. But I stand before you to tell you there is no accomplishment in life that can bring healing the way that Jesus can. Jesus is a person that brings healing. And if you'll be able and willing to invite him in, things are going to begin to shift and break and change. But I tell you from someone who has lived this story for 27 years, there's blessing in the breaking. Don't fight it. Don't run from it. He's developing something great in you like a picture that's taken and needs to be in a dark room. Don't open the door too soon. Let it be fully developed. What God is developing in you is nothing short of a masterpiece. You are a beautiful work of art, fearfully and wonderfully made. The greater the attack, the greater the assignment. God wants to shift some of you into a new season. And for some of you, I'm going to make it plain. He does not want to shift you into a new season. You are repeating the same season again because you keep trying to do it your way. And you keep trying to knock on your own doors. And you keep trying to drag people with you. And God says, we're going to do another lap because you haven't learned it yet. It's only me. Walk with me. Talk with me about everything. What is it that you are so intently wrestling with internally? What has occupied space in your mind? Where is that wound? Stop licking the wound. Let me heal it.